Welcome to Mission Smart with David and Vicki Frazier. In this podcast, we discuss a variety of topics related to global missions with the goal of offering wise and practical counsel. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about marriage and missions. And we're calling this part one. There should might- be maybe part one of like 30, but yeah. probably just a couple right now. Right now, but we're going to call this part one. So why are we talking about this? People have asked us, you know, how did we get into doing marriage training or marriage? We're not really counselors by any means, but we are marriage mentors. So why are we talking about marriage in missions? Yes, what's what's particular about it? And I think this is our most important partnership um, that we have in life. It. As we lived abroad, marriage was our greatest strength in the face of all the challenges that we were facing. But at the same time, it was our greatest or largest potential area of stress. Absolutely. So So it could be either the greatest encouragement or the greatest discouragement. Yeah, and we're not going to be just talking generally about marriage. We're talking specifically what are what's unique about the overseas mission environment that puts an extra amount of pressure or stress on a marriage. And that's sort of today's topic. Well, um, let's see. Let's start. Um I think losing our support system. When you move abroad, you are you move from a place of being known and a part of things to being unknown. You don't have those people who whom you trust and those close friendships or your family or church. Yeah, you're even. just all that's ripped out. You're stuck in a new Christian environment. We always tell people you don't get to pick the friends that you're probably going to be interacting with or working with or even, you know, doing Because there with. are often so few Christians in areas where people move. Right. So you you don't have all those. Uh, that's one reason why it's harder. And so you're in a new environment. You're also adjusting to a new culture, new, let's face it, it's a new job. It's a new language. And every, every new job has its stresses, but this one has is very stressful because you have no support system. Right. No one, no one to um, that that whole community that you were used to. Um, it's a new language, and learning a new language is incredibly stressful. One of the reasons is because it's slow and imperceptible. You're like a child. You're starting over. Like we used to laugh that these children actually know how to function in these societies Better than we do. Because I remember we, having intense jealousy toward the language abilities of a three-year-old. Yeah, yeah when you're standing in line <laughs> trying to pay your water bill and you're just feeling like the village idiot. You know, everybody's in line going, why is this taking so long? And then someone says, there's a foreigner up here. And so you're just, you've got this extra stress of the culture, adjusting. You're trying to help your kids adjust. Well, and they're, they may be adjusting to a new schooling situation, whether that's having you as a teacher or going to a new school with in a new language. I mean, the days that I took my kids to school Whoa. and I left them there, the only thing they knew how to say in the local language was, how do I go to the bathroom? I don't even or, think no, where's the bathroom? That. Yeah, I don't even where's think the she knew that. Yeah. yeah, I need to go. So, And so you're learning how to work. You're learning how to shop. 
you're learning how to do public transportation. You're getting around. So these. This what about is, running a household? Yeah, just running a house in a new Running culture. a house. I mean, the shopping is different. The cooking is different. The washing machine is different. If you have a washing machine, the everything is different. So really, this is just all of the culture shock that you're going through. Comes in on everything. It pressure is a lot of pressure on anybody, but we see how it particularly can put a stress on a marriage relationship. Um, and so... People need to know that's what they're going into. Another aspect. Well, overseas mission work is often seen as the ultimate work. Right. It's equated with your relationship with God. (laughs) The needs are so huge. Huge. Finding a healthy work-family balance is hard. I mean, it's sometimes even ignored. Right, because everything gets, the work gets the priority. I remember when we hadn't been there more, I think we'd been there about four months, and we went on this ministry trip, you know, to try to work on language and help. We were asked to go on this yeah, weekend trip. Right, when there were a lot of young people from that culture. And I remember we got to this city, and they separated, Vicky and I. And we were like, okay, so Vicky's going to be staying with all the girls, and I'm going to be staying with all the guys. And I remember just going, oh, so Vicky and I aren't together. And the guy just sort of looked at me and said, no, this isn't a honeymoon weekend. we got to work here. And, okay, you know, later in our lives, we've realized that is totally okay and doable to do on a lot of ministry trips. But we felt so vulnerable in this new culture, and we needed to process things with each other. We were trying to figure out so many things, and we felt so insecure, and we were just so We needed each other, and we were stripped of each other. And at that time in our cultural adjustment, it was not advisable to to do it that way. to do it that way. And so we remembered feeling that the ministry came first. The guy sort of made, he sort of shamed me and made me feel like, oh, you got to be with your wife? And you're kind of like, yeah, that's all I got right now to stay (laughs) in this. Um, And so sometimes the work... They can actually encourage this putting the work before everything else. And they can even require sometimes this unhealthy work emphasis. So, Well, especially if, I, I don't know, I found that a lot of times that um, fellow missionaries would encourage uh, always to choose the work. You could almost call it a... We call it workaholism over here. I mean, it. You but can, there, it's justified right. with a. You can use scripture because to justify it, because you know the. Why are we here? Yes, and a good soldier doesn't get entangled, and all of these things. So that's the temptation, right? But there. but that's is you use scripture to sort of manipulate that. And, um, we, and it just seems like on the field, it's more of a unique place that puts these unusual pressures. So you've got this new environment and you're doing everything new and you're worn out every day much quicker because you're in another culture, in another language all day, doing everything new. Remember Vicky trying to cook? And then you add to it, we're spiritual soldiers here and we need to be at the top of our game. Yes, that whole... We're in the army, We're so commandos. the army yes, yes. doesn't live real life, you know. Right. And so that's the way I felt when I was sort of... And so whenever we... 
Like, do we, can we care about each other? Can we laugh? Can we have fun? Should we get away on a weekend? Oh, how can we make that a ministry weekend? And so, I mean, fortunately, we did have some missionary friends who actually were living in work life balance. Yes. And they were a great encouragement to us amongst those who were not. But yeah, I think spiritualizing everything, um, the needs are so great, everyone can get caught up in it. Sometimes there's even misguided team authority structures or goals that can impact your marriage. Um, it's it, it, we're going to get into it just gets churned up in the whole goals of what you're trying yes. to do. And if their goals are ambitious, maybe even unrealistic, maybe idealistic, um, this is where people get into trouble. And the most important relationship in your marriage falls to, I guess you could say, second place. So what are what are some lessons we learned, Vicki, that were particularly helpful to us in keeping our marriage strong? So that's one that we wanted to talk about. Uh, I think one of the first things is that we each, as individuals, had to have a sense of God's leading us to live in the country where we were going. Both of us. Both of us. Um, we have seen situations where either a husband or a wife haven't had right. that call and just said, well, we're married, you know, we'll do, uh, I'll just go and be support this person in what they want to do. And I I think that if I had not had an individual call, exactly, that um, it would have affected, I think I would have blamed you when things got up. Hard. Yeah, there's no way we could. You know, you brought me here, sort of thing. Yeah, but but it was God that brought me here. So I, <laughs> exactly. I mean, we've seen where you know, is your spouse all in? You know, you hear stuff like she's willing, she really is willing, or the spouse says, "This has always been on her heart. She's been wanting to do this since she was a kid." And you're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! What about you?" And so both of us have to be fully convicted. This is where we need to be. You know. And then we have to work together to find the particular situation, the location that's adapted to, a, that we both can adapt to, that is our joint yes. place that we need to go yes. together. I mean, originally, there you had another place in mind um, where you would yeah, have gone. that's right. It's kind of like picking a house or where you're going to live. You know, you, it, it can't be one of us just saying, I love this place. <laughs> Not before you buy a house. I think it is going to need to be, as we've learned to call them, us decisions. We're going to need to make sure this is something we... Well, we can talk we'll about buy. how we do that at another time. Exactly. How we make those decisions. You know, when I remember when we got married, I, as Vicki said, I knew where I wanted to go. And I knew I was ready to go. And I was just, you know, I was... Frustrated when it didn't work out. <laughs> That's sad. But I didn't realize that God was putting together such an amazing partner to go farther with me. But at the time, I felt, oh, I'm I'm stuck here. And so there's sometimes this urgency to get over there. And I'm just so glad that God kept me here. And, and, and I was really advised to learn about working and getting to know Vicki. We, we had to get to know each other and get some things settled for a couple of years before we went out into this new environment. So we often hear people say, you know, is it wise to move overseas after getting married? And we always say, why don't you figure each other out before you have to start learning about a whole other culture? And 
And so we were able to figure out how to resolve how to our ministry styles, our strengths and weaknesses. And no, we continue to learn those things on the field. But at least we had some groundwork. What do we were here three or four years before we went? So that was very helpful. Very helpful. What else did we need, Vicky? Um, a real commitment, I think, to one of us not leaving the other behind. In what so, sense? In the sense of one person may get to the country where you're going and be thriving. Love and it. They love it. <laughs> yeah. They just whatever it is about their personality, gifting, strengths. They are thriving, and the other is not hmm. thriving. The other yep. is suffering, and that could be the husband or the wife. Yeah, um, because different ones are having different stress levels. Sometimes husbands are finding it very, very stressful not to have measurable goals in language learning or something like that. And whatever his previous job was, whatever her previous job was, and then this new place, it doesn't always connect. It's not always a definite, immediate fit. And I think we had, yeah, I was the one who was struggling. I'm trying to figure out how to cook and how to... Start over. I mean, just, literally. I'd never actually lived more than 20 minutes away from my family before we moved right. abroad. So I was struggling with a lot of that kind of stuff. And you had a choice at some point. Yes, I was living the dream. I'd come home and talk about all these new words I learned and all these new people I met. And Vicki would say, yeah, well, let me tell you about how to, trying to figure out how this washing machine worked. You know, first of all, it's a different kind of machine and everything, all this, all the, it's all written in another language. And, and, you know. Well, and even stuff subtle, or, subtle things like. You the the culture where we went was a more male dominated culture, mm. and so I'm navigating the streets and interacting with people in a different way. Absolutely, and you're free. You're going into shops and sitting down and having tea with the yeah. male shopkeepers and just having a blast. And I'm kind of trying to figure out. As someone who was raised in a very, very free culture for women, how to and how you, to behave, act, and and make friends in a new culture. And you've got all that pressure on yourself to say, "This is what I've been saying I'm going to do with my life." And then you get there and go, "Oh, what if it's not working out, or I'm not fully enjoying this?" So you, you've got that stress, but there must be that commitment to say, um, "I'm not moving on ahead." And and, and we, you did that. Yeah, we we'll talk about that maybe in another talk, but how I literally just said. I'm not going on ahead. I'm not going to just continue at the pace that I'm enjoying or loving. Um, And I'm so glad I didn't have, I guess you could say, outside pressure telling me you've got to do that. And we just stopped and we had some some powwows and we decided to move out together, whatever that meant. In our language learning, in our socializing, in pace of ministry. Yeah, engaging with people and stuff like that. What's another one? We had to be real careful about, you know, the manipulation that can that I could be tempted to manipulate Vicky spiritually, um, and say things like, um, "Look at all these people, or who's going to reach them, or why did we come over here if we're not going to spend time with them?" 
And those can come from teams and team leaders and our own friends, heads. colleagues, our own minds. Yeah, reading biographies. And we get all, we put that in this, and that can put an amazing amount of pressure. And so being able to be careful. There's to, also just learning how to establish healthy boundaries. And and that goes across the board. Boundaries with teammates. Yeah. Coworkers. Even, other people in town. Yeah, even national friends, you're learning another culture and the boundaries that are acceptable are going to be different, but you also have to know what you can tolerate. Yeah. Because you want to be able to live there and thrive, not just survive. And sometimes we put the nationals on such a high pedestal that whatever however they're evaluating us and either our lifestyle, our level of work, we can feel judged and we can feel an amazing, you know, an unnecessary amount of pressure to please them. So like So, like so said, finding a, a balance there because you also mm-hmm. don't want to say, well, this is the way I live and so everybody has to put up with it. Mm-hmm. So finding that balance there. We want to we want to see the differences in us as a couple. We're very different. Yes, Anyone who knows us yes, knows are. how different we are. And to sort of leverage those differences to an advantage as a couple in our life and our ministry. It's, it's really a mindset that we as a team are designed by God for His purposes, rather than seeing the differences between us as an obstacle. So important. You know, you say irreconcilable differences. We heard, well, how many times have we heard that? And the answer is, I think God's designed us and he, he's put us together to say, of course you're different. But how can you work those differences to an advantage rather than always bumping bumping heads and saying, why can't you get on board? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, a, a small example in this, a little microcosm of it would be <laughs> us trying to write a prayer letter together. <laughs> And we, oh my goodness. We used to get in fights writing the prayer letter because right. the things that David felt were important and needed to be emphasized were different than the things that I felt were important. Right. And, and she would be like, be- why would you put it that way? That sounds so spiritual. And I would say, well, then what do you think we ought to write? Well, and we need to add stories. People want to hear about people. And as when, we learned we, how to say, okay, let's both get our voices in here. We ended up with a better letter. Yes, it was better in the end, but we, we had some arguments along the way. Well, what were we tempted to say? Fine, you write it. And then there's no then there's no David in it or there's no Vicky in it. And so... Yeah, that's a little microcosm. <laughs> kind of like doing a podcast, right? Oh, together. Okay. Don't even. So learning to do it together. And we, what we learned is that God put us in this particular marriage with this particular with this particular person. And if I saw her as different and holding me back, I'm going to get nowhere. But if I see her as she's giving a unique perspective, she keeps me in a balance. She teaches me things about the local people that I never saw. Uh, she keeps me from burning out. I keep her from burning out. In other words, there's there's give and take. I absolutely. Mean, we're, we're different in how we would organize our social schedules and you know, oh. dealing with the whole extrovert, introvert, thing. introvert thing. I'm the introvert. David is a super extrovert. I don't, do you even have a drop I of don't know. introvert blood? But it Maybe. came out in our schedules, didn't it? 
it came out in how are we energized? You know, if I could be with people all day and say, hey, do you want to drop hey, let's by? let's go be with more people. <laughs> you want to drop by and see them on our way home? And she'd look around and go, I cannot fathom that you would ask that question. How can you even, <laughs> even imagine? I mean, how can you do it, first of all, because I don't understand that. How can you even... How, how do well, you because, dare to ask me? Because how do you with, not know me? <laughs> because because people give charge my battery, and then Vicky's like, "Yeah, mine's on nine percent." So going down fast. So we laugh, but that was really something that helped us, and we did get outside counsel about those kinds. Yeah, of and things. how to work together as a team and see those differences as an advantage. Exactly. Um, because. Of the distance, you know, when we moved abroad, there was not a lot of telephoning. There was no internet or anything. And because of that distance, both of us chose to proactively work on our problems together rather than letting them smolder unaddressed. And, I, and the word smolder yeah. is really what happens. Um, can't ignore them. You can't ignore them because they do, they build more force. If you ignore them, you think that it's okay, sort of sweeping them under the rug, but but it's not. They will flame up later. As we often tell couples when we're helping them, are you willing to work on things? Yes. They say, Are you if you can't figure it out, are you willing to get outside counsel? And for us, sometimes it was reading a book. I remember treasuring a book that would come in a padded envelope all the way from America because we didn't have the internet and we would literally start reading a book about marriage. And Yeah, we we sort of regularly. Yeah. Not all the time, maybe once well, I don't know. But we get a book. We would get a book and we would we would read it chapter by chapter together and discuss it and really the point of that was making time. Mhm to talk about the things and prioritizing that there needed to be space for that. Because what we're saying is that if you let it go, and this basically the problem's only going to get worse. It's kind of like you've got something the doctor says to you, yeah, if we don't deal with it now, it's only going to get worse. And what we found is that in our own lives or in others, if you don't deal with it, it'll become obvious to others. Yes. Um it can affect your your ministry. Your kids are going to see it. And then maybe others will end up having to confront you, which is the worst case scenario is that you end up, uh, you know, I would often tell young guys, look, if you don't deal with this, <laughs> then you're going to lose everything. You know, you, you don't you don't care for your spouse and take care of your, your marriage. Then you're not going to not only lose that marriage, you're going to lose the whole ministry you're trying to do. So. Yeah, there's a proactivity mm-hmm. that, that being proactive in this that is really, really important. So to wrap up, we're based in this part one. We just want to we want to just remember your spouse is your key partner in life. We talk about teammates. Yes, there's the mission. Yes, there's the team. There's the team leader. There's the boss. There's God's call on you. Great. But then you've got to remember your most important teammate. Yeah, many of us think that we will stay abroad in that role for all of our lives, and some people will. Or overseas. We, yes. I mm. used to wander by cemeteries, and <laughs> I would look over there and go, 
I think I want to be buried in there. <laughs> it's like, but that was not actually what God had for us. And no. that's not, and many people, most people, I would say, do not end up right. being there for their entire lives in these days. And this relationship will be with you throughout, not just this mission journey you're on, but beyond and with you when you come home. It's um, really tempting to put the mission, the ministry goals, local people oh. ahead of your spouse. Because, I don't know, we all do that. You just assume that the person, they'll be fine. They know I love them. We love each other. We'll be fine. But if you continually do that, mm-hmm. then those things do smolder. You get into the busyness. You can want to please the mission or the goals of it. And and there's just desperate needs. I think that is it. You feel like we've dropped you here in this jungle and you, you know, you've got a task to do. And it's just so easy to forget. Wait a minute. Just like everyone in the world... We need things, and we need relationship, and this is the most important one. So um, I can't forget. So I'll just say I can't forget my wife. And that, and we can honestly tell you all that we're sitting here today. We're doing this because we learn to value one another. I begin to see her differences as strengths. And I began to see his differences as also advantages, strengths that we could work together with. Right. And we didn't quit. We didn't stop and say, I can't do this. Um, We're here because we learn to work through problems and face them, even though sometimes facing them was very hard for one or the other of us. And we didn't have a lot of resources over there. And some friends and some books. We're in the middle of this pandemic 2020 lockdown and everybody's like, we're stuck at home. And Ricky's like, yeah, we remember that. We remember we didn't even have internet and we were stuck at home. And all we had was each other to figure some things out. And and we learned to operate as a team. So that is why we think marriage is so important when talking about missions. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for listening today. Our book, Mission Smart, 15 Critical Questions to Ask Before Launching Overseas, is available on Amazon in paperback or Kindle. Feel free to email us with your questions through our website, esionline.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast to get more episodes as they're published.